If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Pastor has been going through the life of David, and we're at this stage in the life of David where David, for, for many years, have been, has been running. He and his men have been running for their lives for many, many years, and, and they're tired. They're weary, they're tired, and they're tired of Saul chasing them and trying to take their lives. So finally, David says to his men, you know what, let's go to the land of the Philistines. Because in the land of the Philistines, they know Saul will not be able to follow them. So they go over to the land of the Philistines and, they, and they, they reside in a place called Ziglag. And for a, couple of while, for a couple of months or maybe a couple of years, they're there and they're in relative peace and quiet and they just think, well, this may be a break uh, and, and nothing can happen out in Ziglag. But right after that, the, Egypt, uh, the Philistines and the children of Israel go to war. And one of the leaders of the Philistines says to David, come go with us to war. When they got to the battleground, the rest of the prince of the Philistines said, no, we don't trust David. We, we, don't, we don't trust him. He may turn on us in the middle of the battle. So they sent David home. And it took David three days to get home from the battlefield. And when he got home, he found that everything they owned, their wives and, and, and their children and, and, and all their possessions had been taken and not only that, their town had been burnt down to the ground. Have you ever got to the place in your walk when you have been going through battle after battle after battle that you really can't have another battle? And you're tired and you're weary and you're saying, God, for heaven's sakes, why always me? And David gets to this place with his men and, and, and we pick up the story in chapter 30 of 1 Samuel Verse one, David and his men reached Ziglag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided Nergal and Ziglag and they attacked Ziglag and burnt it and, the, and have taken and burnt it and had taken captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. It's almost like the devil set them up again. They didn't kill the, 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 their family, but they took them and, and tried to put stress and pressure on David and his men again, just when they thought they were in a quiet place. I want us to use for a topic this morning, uh, what has the devil stolen from you? What has the devil stolen from you? David is in this place, he's come back home and, and they're coming home to rest and, and they get there and everything's burned, everything is gone and, 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 and the first reaction that David and his men do, they start crying and the Bible said they cried so much until they had no more strength in them. That's a natural response. You know, there was a saying earlier that said, well, real men don't cry. No, real men cry like babies. So if you're a real man, you can cry. That's a natural, when you lose someone or lose something or something that's precious to you, 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 you sometimes people say, well, don't show any emotions. Don't let anybody know that you're weak. Don't let anybody know that you're tired. Don't let any know, anybody know that you're frustrated. That's not true. You need to cry your eyes out. 
Because if you don't express your emotions, you're going to use it, you're going to express it in a dull way that sometimes is violence. So you express your emotion. David and his men expressed their emotion. They were brokenhearted. They were tired and weary, fed up. And, and, and here's the thing we notice about when people are fed up and tired and broken, they sometimes react in a hurtful way. You hear the saying that hurting people hurt people. The reality is true, and even as leaders, we have to sometimes take the brunt of people's anger. Why? Because they're hurting. The good thing about David is this. David never turned on his men. That's what a good leader does. A good leader is able to absorb some of the pain and the heartache of the people around them. Why? Because they understand that in the normal circumstances of things, people would not respond that way. But because they're weary and tired and fed up and frustrated and nothing seems to be going wrong or going right, they lash out. That's why we thank God for mature leaders. And the reality is, is all, that, that all the time they're crying out and, 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 and the Bible says in their heart they were getting more bitter at the moment. Why? Because they were bitter because they couldn't find their children. Nothing will terrify a parent when you can't find your children. At least the good ones. <laughs> do, do you understand what I'm saying? Nothing terrifies them. But here's the question I always I like to ask uh, this morning. After you've done all your crying, what are you going to do? After you've mourned, after you've mourned the loss or something, what are you going to do? Because listen to me carefully. You can't play dead. Because you have an enemy that will not fight fairly. And there's some things in David's story here at Ziglag that we can learn that will help us when we have to go through difficult and frustrating times. Listen to me carefully. Whether you're going through it now or sometime in your life, every single one of us will go through some, some form of frustration. Somewhere during our lives, we will go through something that will break our hearts. We'll go through something that will tear our heart and we will want to give up on God if we don't understand that every opportunity, every trial that comes into our life, it is God's opportunity to draw you closer to him. Because in the midst of frustration and of pain, two things happen to people. They either turn on each other or they turn to God. David's men turned on David. And the Bible says he wanted, they wanted to stone him. And sometimes you, you, you feel that David could have turned around and said, you ungrateful men. He could have said to them, you, you, you are far better now than when we first met. How dare you turn on me? Don't you know what I've done for you? David could have simply done that, but David understood and so when we pick up the story there in, in, in verse 8, uh, verse 6 of chapter 30, it says, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because his sons and his daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Point number one. 
When the enemy has stolen everything from you and you're willing and you're, you're getting to that place where you want to give up and throw in the towel and say this Christian thing doesn't work, you and I need to learn how to encourage ourselves in the Lord. There's going to be lots of opportunity between now and heaven where you're going to get disappointed. There's going to be lots of opportunity where you get to a place where you say, well, God, you are being unfaithful to me, and I don't like what's going on, and there's a lot of opportunities to bail out. There have been many people that have come to this church and have left and gone back into the world. Why? Because they said this God thing doesn't work. And the reality of it is that David could have got so discouraged about his men that he could have let his depression consume him. And if you know how the enemy works, a lot of times he consumes us with depression, then separates us from the body and pounds on us to make it sound like or feel like we're the only people going through something and nobody cares. The Bible says David encouraged himself. How much scripture do you know to be able to encourage yourself? David wrote, bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. If you only can bless the Lord when everything's going well, you're in trouble. Because sometimes you have to bless the Lord through your trials. You have to bless the Lord through the pain. You have to learn to bless the Lord through the frustration or the enemy will lock you in and trap you. Psalm 91, he who, walk, he, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, what does that mean? Sometimes, look at me, sometimes you've got to talk to yourself. You've got to talk to yourself. You need to be able to say, soul, why so cast down? I will bless you at all times. Sometimes you have to be able to speak to yourself and encourage yourself and say, Henry, rise up, oh man of God. Rise up, woman of God. You need to encourage. David encouraged himself. Instead of turning on his men, he, he went before the Lord and he encouraged himself in the Lord. I always say to people, find a good song. Find a good song. There, there, are, there are a couple of songs that I like. That, 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 that's why I say always have a, a good list of worship songs. Worship songs. So that when you're going through those deep times, and I've noticed that the songs that are able to lift me out of depression are the songs that talk about the faithfulness of God. The power of God. The strength of God. The protection of God. The deliverance of God. Those are the songs that when I'm going through a difficult time that I can open my mouth and I can sing through the tears. Sing through the tears. You say, Pastor, we're, I, I, we're feeling the pain. Yes. You will be singing. That's why it's called faith. The ability to call something that is not as though it is because you can look at it and see Christ. 
One of my favorite songs is It Made Me Glad, and, and the words of the lyric go like this. I will, I like that, I will. What does that mean? I have made a choice. If you're gonna work your way out of depression, if you're gonna work your way out of your frustration, if you're gonna work your way out of the hurt and the pain and the disappointment, you have to make a determined choice. I will. If you wobble in this area, you'll stay there. But in the midst of the pain, you need to be able to say, I will bless the Lord forever. What does that mean? That means there isn't anything that the enemy can throw at me that will stop me from praising God. Not a thing. Lack of this, lack of that, you take this, you take that. The one thing that the enemy cannot take is my love for Christ and, my, and I'm on the road to heaven. That's where you and I have to get to. You and I have to get to to be able to say, look, the enemy, you can take whatever you take, but there's nothing on earth that you can take from me that will make me stop loving Jesus. And by the way, listen to me carefully. You can say hallelujah all you want, but the time will come for you to be tested on that. And when that trial comes, pass the test. So when I have songs like this, I will bless the Lord forever. I will trust him at all times. Is your trust limited? Or is your trust in Jesus absolute? Even when I don't understand things, even when I don't think it's fair, I still trust and know that God is good. I've made up my mind. I've made up my mind that I still will trust him even when things don't look fair. Even when people don't treat me right and talk about me and say all kinds of things about me, I don't care because my trust is in God. I will bless the Lord forever. I will trust him at all times. He has delivered me from all fears in the midst of that pain, even though the answer has not come, but I'm already saying out of my mouth, he will deliver me. And he has set my feet upon a rock. Mm. Where have you settled? Where have you settled? Have you made up your mind that Jesus Christ will be your foundation come hell or high water? Or are you in this place in your walk with, with God that your salvation is still shaky? Or have you, have you come to this resolute place in your walk that, that says my salvation is the most important thing in my life and as long as I have that, I don't care about anything else. Resolute. And then he, he, then he goes on and says, I will not be moved and I'll say of the Lord, you are my shield, my strength, 
my portion, deliverer, my shelter, strong tower, my very present help in time of need. I mean, when you're singing that song in the midst of the frustration, I don't know what you be, but I've been singing that song times and I'll be crying my eyes out, I'll be going through the pain and all of a sudden the Spirit of God on the inside starts to rise up within me and faith starts to rise and boldness starts to rise and a lion of Judah starts to roar on the inside of me and it lifts me from that place. David learned to encourage himself. Listen to me carefully. There will be times, people, there will be no one there. There will be no one there except you. And after you've done all your crying, what are you going to do? Have you the ability to encourage yourself in the Lord? When everybody's against you, have you, do you have the ability, when people talk about you, do you have the ability to encourage yourself in the Lord? David would encourage himself, and, he, and that's what all these psalms are about. David on the hilltop, David here, and he's writing all kinds of songs and all kinds of things. Why? To encourage himself, because listen to me carefully, most of your battles will not be in church. Most of the people that you will sit next to are not devils. Well. Do you understand? Most of the battles won't be here. Most of your battles, 75% of your spiritual warfare will be by yourself. You say, well, pastor, when I, when I get into the battle, I, 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 you'll be there for me. I, I, can I come to you? No. No. The reason why we do that is because we want to encourage you because every trial comes is to point you to Jesus so that you and Jesus can have a personal walk that gets strong and mighty and, and powerful. But if you always depend on a man, we will become your gods. And you know we're flesh and blood. And you know we're going to disappoint you. That's why people come up and say, oh, pastors, pastors, disappoint me. Listen to me carefully. Pastors, do you know the difference what pastors have to do? Pastors have to fight their own battles and fight your, some of your battles and still be intact on Sunday morning to present the word. And I think one of the reasons why our churches continue to grow healthy is because we're not trying to get you all to depend on us. No, we keep saying, look at us, but look at him. You develop, you become strong, you become a warrior. Any church that, 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 that depend on the pastors for everything, that church sooner or later is gonna fall apart. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. When the enemy has stolen from you and, 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 and sometimes it's your kids and, and sometimes it's your husband or sometimes it's your wife and, and there's something that money cannot change and money cannot buy. That's one of the things I noticed when I came to America. 
One of the things I noticed is that in Africa and in other parts of the world, they have nothing and they have to believe God for everything. In America, God has allowed issues to come into our lives that money cannot solve. A little different. And he allows these issues to come into our lives where money cannot solve so that we will learn how to war, fight, and stand our ground and have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. David encouraged himself in the Lord. And then the second thing David did, and this is point number two, the second thing David did, he called for the priest. He turned him to bring the ephod, and, and, and the Bible says, if you look down at uh, uh, verse uh, 8, and David inquired of the Lord. Point number two, when the enemy has stolen things from you, after you've cried, and, and after you've encouraged yourself in the Lord, you need to go find out what God says about your situation. What does that mean? You need to know how to pray. You need to know how to pray. And I say this over and over, a Christian that doesn't know how to pray is a sitting duck. You're just waiting for the enemy to pick you off. Every one of us have to learn how to pray. You say, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. Then get into grow you. Get into a one group. Get into a small band of brothers or band of sisters or a band of young people. Get in there and say, hey, I don't know how to pray. Can you teach me? I don't know how to do that. Can you show me? Can you be with me? Can you walk with me? Can you help me to become so that when the battle comes, I can stand? Teach me to pray. Because if you don't know how to pray, how in the world are you going to be able to win this battle? Everything around us is changing. I've been watching since I've been here over 20 years, and, and, and I noticed over the over this time I've been here is that any time the enemy is trying to push something fresh, he always starts in New York or LA. New York or LA. And you and I live in New York. People cry all the time, oh pastor, they're taking Christ out of Christmas. Are you putting Christ in Christmas? Or are you among the people that are fighting to get into Macy's to get a 60-inch TV because you already have three in your house already? But they're taking Christ out of Christmas. What are you doing? What are you doing? And as things change and the battle becomes fiercer, you and I have got to be strong in the things of God. You and I have to be able to stand upon the word. We have to be able to encourage ourselves and then we need to be able to get together and pray. Pray. Nobody can do your prayer. Nobody can feel the pain that you're feeling. Nobody knows how a heartbreak of a, of a, of a daughter going astray or a son going astray than a parent. Do you remember the old days? I don't know what kind of mother you had, but when we were growing up, I know Pastor Steve, when we were growing up, we had mothers. Five, four foot nothing. I hear his story all the time. He had, he had his mother would cry at this altar and say, Lord, bring my preacher home. She was calling him a preacher before he even went to Bible school. He was, she was calling those things that are not as though they are. I was saying in the other two services, my mother would be praying at home as well. 
And I'll come tiptoeing through the house late at night and I'll hear my mother in the back, oh God, drive the devil out of Henry. Give him no rest until he's found you. Help him to throw up if he drinks. And let all the ladies run away from him. I would tiptoe and say, I bind that in the name of Jesus. <laughs> well, what's wrong with this woman? Do you understand? And, and, and I, was, I was so cocky and, and so proud, uh, but my mother, day and night, day and night, day and night, months after month after month, years after years after years, oh God, oh God, giving heaven no rest. Nowadays, we have mothers that spend more time in the mall. And weaving that thing apart. And you wonder why hasn't anything changed? Because maybe our old mothers had a secret. Maybe the old timers knew that the longer they were on their knees, that's the only way they could win the battle. But we have become sophisticated. And we think we put in five minutes and God should show up. And here's, here's the thing we've all, we all know. God is never in a hurry. And if you're not patient enough, he won't stress out if you leave. He won't stress when you stop praying. He will wait for you. David went to prayer, and, and, and I like David's prayer. David's prayer was, was, was pretty straight. He said, Lord, shall I, shall I pursue the raiders? And if I do, will I win? I like that. I like that. Sometimes we pray, and our prayers are so long that faith leaves the room. I, I remember being at, 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 dinner, at dinner sometimes in people's houses and, and, and they say, uh, uh, they will ask someone, would you pray for the meal? And, and, and I'm ready to eat because that's a steak and a lovely juicy steak, potatoes and, and, and broccoli. No, I don't like broccoli, but every, everything else there. And I'm thinking, man, we're going to get into this thing. This thing is sizzling. And then someone starts their foolish prayer and praying for Africa. Why are you praying for Africa for? Africa is fine. <laughs> Pray for the meal. I remember being in a restaurant one time and someone did that nonsense. I started cutting up my steak and eating it. And I... <laughs> because some of you, by the time you finish praying, the food's cold. <laughs> but David's prayer is direct. Lord, shall I pursue them? And if I pursue them, will I win? Look at the attitude of David. David never fought a battle that he couldn't win. Because he knew if God was on his side, victory was sure. David prays, and God, and God says to him at the end of the verse, well, not at the end of the verse, in the middle of that thing, the answer came back. He said to David, pursue them. And not only that, he answers, you will certainly overtake them and succeed in rescuing them. 
every time something comes up in our lives, I don't care how God did it in the past, you and I are to pursue God in prayer every single time. Because every single time, God may want you to do it in a different way. Pastor, he rescued us this, like this last time. That was last time. He has a fresh thing for you. Why? Because he wants to keep a fresh relationship between you and him. So David got up his, got his 600 men and he got them out and he started pursuing the, the raiders. And he gets to this brook and by this time, about 200 of his men are tired, exhausted. Exhausted. Guys, sometimes the people that are around you, that are helping you, that love you and encourage you, sometimes they get tired. Don't, get, don't disgrace them. Don't, don't, don't push them to the side and say, well, you're not faithful to the end. No, no. Sometimes when they're tired, the best thing you can do for a tired person, let them rest. So David left 200 of his men there and he took the 400. And what, what, what's that? A good lesson. The army he was going against was bigger than him. But David's trust was in God, that he knew that even whether he had 600 or 400, it was God who was going to give him the victory anyway. Here's the question I want to ask you. How big is your God? Is your God bigger than your problems? Because if your God is not bigger than your problems, your prayers will be prayers of weakness. David starts to go and he, he, he comes across this uh, Egyptian who was a slave to, the, to one of the Amalekite kings and, and the slave had not eaten for three days and three nights and, and, and the master had left him there to die and, and David comes along and he treats him well, feeds him until he recovers his strength. Another quick lesson there, be careful how you treat people. Oh, I've seen many Christians get disqualified. Why? Because they treat the pastor one way and they treat the people in the church another way and they think God didn't see it. And then they cry out, oh God, when is my breakthrough coming? Ain't coming. And this very guy that has been discarded is the very guy that will lead David to find his enemies. David goes down and, he, and, the, and the guy leads him to the, to the place where the, where the Amalekites were and, he, and David goes down and then in verse 17, chapter 30, verse 17, notice what it says there. David fought with them from dust until evening of the next day and none of them got away except for the 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. Verse 18, David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Verse 19, nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken. David brought everything back. Listen to me carefully. Everything that the enemy steals from you, you should go get it back. Point number three after we've encouraged ourselves in the Lord, after we've gone to prayer and got the strategy from God, point number three, get ready to go to war. Get ready to go to war. 
Pastor, I'm peace-loving. I don't like it. I, I, I like to be gentle. I, I like to smooth things over. I like to, listen to me carefully. There are battles ahead of you that you are going to have to be aggressive on your knees. Aggressive. I said, I didn't talk about physical fight. No, that's easy. That's the easy fight. The most difficult fights are the fights that you have to fight on your knees in prayer. Because you never know how long the battle will be. The Bible says David fought from the dust of that day to the evening of the second day. He fought a day and a half. How much strength in God do you have? How much tenacity, how much vigor, how much power, how much anointing are you walking in that if the battle goes longer than you think, you will hang in there? Pastor, I believe that God needs to show up within the first three days. Listen to me carefully. You will not win the war. Pastor, I can only hang in there for about six months. Listen to me carefully. You will not win the war. Pastor, the most I have is nine months. Listen to me carefully. You will not win the war. You and I have to make up our minds. God, no, no, no matter how long it takes, what is, what's the price you will put on your daughter? What's the price you will put on your son? Pastor, my son's out of his mind. Pastor, my daughter is all over the place. I can't even know, I don't know where she is half the time. Pastor, my, my son's on this and this. He's taking drugs. He's doing all these other things. He's acting crazy. How long will you be on your knees? The attitude of the heart needs to be, Father, no matter how long it takes, I am going to cry out to you and give you no peace until my baby comes home. Some of our kids are depending on us. Your children are depending on you. And the same way our parents prayed us into the kingdom, we, it is our turn now. And in this fast-paced society where it's order here and pick up here, it doesn't work in the kingdom. In the kingdom, we have to be patient. Through faith and patience, they inherited the promises. Just because you pray today doesn't mean the answer's coming tomorrow. We see that example in Daniel when Daniel prayed and the Bible says 21 days later, 21 days later. How much tenacity do you have? And then when the angel Gabriel came, he explained to Daniel what happened in the story. He said to Daniel, the moment you prayed, the moment you prayed, God sent me with the answer. Isn't that comforting? The moment we pray, God sends the answer. But Gabriel said that the prince of the peace, the prince of Persia, withstood me, that I couldn't come. What spiritual warfare was going on? But Daniel never got tired praying. 
And he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and God had released Michael, the archangel, and he delivered Gabriel and Gabriel was able to come down to Daniel. But what happened if Daniel had stopped? What happened if Daniel had said, you know what, I've been praying for 10 days and nothing's working? That story was written to encourage us that the moment you pray, your answer's on the way, but sometimes we have to press in. Sometimes we have to persevere. Sometimes we have to travail and cry and weep and cry out to God and say, God, I still trust you. I still believe you. You are still my God. Daniel, David went to war. And I will say to you and I today that if we're going to win the battles that lie ahead of us, you and I have to know how to go to war. We got to know how to fight. We need to know how to put our foot on the ground and stand our ground and say, no more am I budging from here. I ain't running from nothing. And I'm definitely not running from every, any devil. Even if it takes me out. But I would much rather go out with my sword than run with, or go home with an arrow in my back because I was running like a chicken. And I always have in my mind, uh, when I'm praying for my boys, and I'm thinking, if my mother had given up on me, where would I be? And every time I remember my mother, I say to myself, Henry, I don't care how crazy your boys behave. I don't care what they go through. You make sure you stand in the gap for those boys. I don't want to get to heaven and, and, and God says to me, how come you didn't fight like your mother fought for you? How come you didn't go to war when your kids needed you? How come you didn't go to war when that friend that was going through a difficult time depended on you to intercede for him? How come you didn't fight with all your might? What do I want to tell him? I was, too, I was at the mall. I was too busy doing all the other stuff. Ephesians chapter 6. Let's go there. Book of Ephesians chapter 6. The worship team can start making their way back. Ephesians chapter 6. Love the book of Ephesians. Love this chapter. Love this chapter. Paul has been writing in Ephesians and he's coming to the end of the book. And listen to me carefully. People's final words are probably the ones that are most important. Hang around a dying person and a lot of times what comes out of their mouth is profound. People, uh, uh, Peter, uh, Paul writing in Ephesians chapter 6, look at verse 10. He said, well, pastor, I know that. Of course you know it. It's sometimes it's so familiar that we don't know how to use it. The word should be fresh every time you open it up. Fresh. There should be a hunger in your spirit. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, create hunger in our spirit. Create a feistiness in our spirit. Create a warlike mentality in our spirits. Let that lion roar on the inside of you. Give us no rest, Lord, until we have taken back everything that the enemy stole. Taken back our children. Taking back our things. Taking back our husbands. Taking back our wives. Taking back our church. Taking back where everything has been stolen. Paul comes up and finally he says this in verse 10. Finally. Lift your head up, look at me. Finally, in other words, if you have caught nothing up to this point, what I'm about to say, grab it. Finally, Paul is saying if you have nothing, if you haven't heard anything, learned anything, seen anything, if, if there's nothing you get out of tonight or this afternoon, finally, grab this. He goes on and says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the whole armor of God that you, may take, that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Against the devil's schemes. Against the devil. The devil is always scheming. He says, put on the power and might of the Spirit. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Therefore, put on the whole, full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, the day of evil, lift, lift your head up one minute. The day of evil is different in everybody's life. Some of you may be in it already. Some of you is coming down the ride. Some of it, it may be before Christmas. Some of it, it may be after Christmas. Some of it, it may be at any time that the day of evil can come knocking at your house. He says, put on the full armor. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. David got to this place in, in his heart and, and, and they got to this place where they were tired and weary and they got to this place and finally the enemy hit them one more time. Do you know sometimes the last battle it's the battle that will be there when you climb over it, it will lead you to victory. 
And sometimes the enemy comes to wear you down. And if you can stand for one more battle, that could be the battle that leads you to your victory. Why don't we stand to our feet together? So we come to encourage this morning. We come to encourage this afternoon and, 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 and the, the man of God and, and the pastors can look out on the horizon. They look out on the horizon and they see it coming. And the cry of our hearts is the Spirit of God cries out, warn them, prepare them, strengthen them, equip them, help them to be independent, help them to fight independent and as a group. And we will be absolutely wrong if we didn't prepare you for battle. David got everything stolen from him and he cried. He cried. And we said today, cry until there's no more tears to cry. I like that. Because once all the tears are done, now you're ready. And instead of turning in your family or, or turning on your boss or turning on the thing, no, encourage yourself. Encourage yourself. It's not over until it's over. Encourage yourself. And then after you've encouraged yourself, go find God. Go pray. And say, God, they have taken my wife. God, the enemy has taken my son. He's taken my daughter. He's taken my joy. He's taken my strength. He's taken everything that is within me. What am I supposed to do? And then when the answer comes, put on the armor and let the devil know that there's a fight that I'm willing to fight this thing to the end. Even if I go to my grave and never see it turn around, I will trust that in the years to come, me and my house will serve the Lord. When the time comes, I will trust that even if I don't see it with my eyes, I will die in faith like the men and women of old that did not see the promise, but they trusted in God. And then you make up your mind that God, you don't have to give me another thing in this life. You don't have to give me another blessing. What you have done for me is sufficient. I know you are God. I know that you are Lord. I know. And I will serve you. So you may be feeling weary today. You may be feeling tired. You may be here and you may not know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And in a minute when the, when the whole place dispersed, there will be auto counselors, we call. They will be up here. And you just need to come over to one of them and say, look, I, I, I want to tap into that God. I want to know with a certainty and an assurance that I'm on my way to heaven. And then there's some of you, the day of evil is in your house right now. 
and you're going through it. And this is what I want you to do today. If you need prayer this morning, this afternoon, and you're going through something, I want you to get out of your seat right now. Get out of your seat. Come up to the altar here right now. Let's move. Out of your seat, up here. You see, when you're going through something, I don't have to give it two times. You either are going through something or you're not. If you're going through something, you know you're going through it. Don't get shy. Don't be intimidated by the enemy. Don't be intimidated by the people here. These people here love you. As you come up, you, there's, a, there's a wall of prayer behind you. You may say, Pastor, I'm full of faith this morning. I have the ability to lay hands. If you are a team leader, I want you to get out of your seat, come up down here and lay hands on someone. If you are a prayer warrior, come on there. Let's get together and let's worship God together and pray. Come a little closer. Come a little closer because there are people behind you. Come on, this is the time to tap in. This is the time to tap in. This is the time to come in. Excellent. So this is what we're going to do. They're playing the song, I will bless the Lord forever. When you tell the devil that you don't care how long it takes, it confuses him. Because he expects you to put a time limit there. Don't put any time limit. God, you and I, I will bless you. So what we're going to do first is worship. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to listen to the song. I want you to sing the words. I want you to make a commitment on the inside. I want that to be a tenacity, an absolute conviction that God, you and I are in this to the very end.